Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church. Welcome again to Kishwaukee Bible Church. Uh, my name is Jesse. I'm uh, glad to be with you today, glad to be worshiping um, together and to be coming back to this series on Jesus' upside-down kingdom, a series in which we've been walking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and learning just how different it is to live as citizens of His kingdom than to live merely as citizens of this world. And much of what we've been considering lately has had to do with what it looks like to live rightly before God. Jesus' expectation that the righteousness of his followers be the kind that, that grows from the inside out. But even this kind of righteousness can be twisted to our own ends, can't it? And practice not out of a, a love for God, but out of a love for ourselves which is what Jesus takes the time to address in our passage today. And if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to where Jesus picks this up in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And you can follow along with me as I read from verse 1 all the way through to the end of verse 18. Again, from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 1 through to the end of verse 18. This is God's word. It says this. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your 
trespasses. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let's pray. We, Father, come to you today to learn this other side of righteousness, that you would impress upon our hearts not only the need for us to to guard against an outside-only sort of righteousness, but but, but here in this passage, uh, the the need to to guard against an outside righteousness at all. To guard against a righteousness that seeks to be rewarded by others. We pray today that you would impress upon us the, the need to stand before you alone as our judge and God, our heavenly Father, and the one who will reward those who walk rightly before him. We pray that it would be so, even today, changing our hearts from the self-centered hearts that they are to hearts centered on you and your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. We live in a society driven by rewards. Rewards and recognition, awards and accolades by the giving and receiving and earning of honors and distinctions, designations and decorations. A society in which every individual is out to prove their worth by how many blue ribbons they've brought home to the farm, how many trophies they've got up on their shelf, how many plaques they've pinned to the walls, or letters they've got after their name, or how many medals they have hanging around their neck. We live in a society driven by rewards. But perhaps nowhere is this more pronounced than in Hollywood, right? Because as an actor or actress, you live for the reward for the Golden Globe or the the Critics' Choice Award, the Screen Actors Guild or winning a BAFTA or coming home with that little guy named Oscar. And yet think about how many actors and actresses Hollywood has chewed up and spit out and left to their drug addictions, their alcoholism, their ruined relationships, and therapy sessions. Endless therapy sessions. Testimony after testimony of individuals who say that it's left them lonely and lifeless, still looking for that next reward to satisfy the longing. Like Marilyn Monroe, who spoke of Hollywood as a place where They'll pay you $1,000 for a kiss and 50 cents for your soul. 
And then when you're done, you're still holding out the 50 cents. And yet this drive for rewards and recognition is not as off as you might think. Because in a very real way, we were made for rewards. For the reward of having a relationship with our Heavenly Father and all the benefits that relationship entails. But the problem is that because of sin, we've, we've been rewired to satisfy ourselves with something less, with the rewards and recognitions from our fellow creatures that we're supposed to point us to God, but have instead taken his place. But you know what's one of the saddest things? This misplaced need for human recognition and human rewards has filtered even into the life of God's people, even today into the life of God's church. And this is precisely what Jesus warns us about in this passage today, saying in verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Not just an outside only sort of righteousness, but an outside righteousness at all. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people for the purpose of being seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And we're going to consider what this misplaced need for human rewards looks like in relation to the three standard religious practices of Jesus' day. This sort of holy trifecta of righteousness. What it looks like in relation to giving, to praying, and to fasting. This was it. This was the list for the, the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Giving and praying and fasting. Well, first, let's consider what this misplaced need for human reward looks like in relation to giving, and specifically in relation to giving to the poor, which is what Jesus is addressing beginning in verse 2. And, and as he'll do with each of these, he starts out by describing what the hypocrites do, those play actors who are only in it for the glory before then calling his followers to a better way. So what about here, when it comes to giving? Following the general principle of verse 1, Jesus says, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do, both in the, the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. He says, sound no trumpet before you, which may be referring to an actual trumpet like the ones that were used in the, the temple courts, calling the people to contribute every now and again to an especially urgent need. The trumpets call, you go, and everybody sees you going. Or to the coffers themselves that some believe were trumpet-shaped and would resound with an especially sonorous note 
when coins were thrown into them. Either one would have provided the giver ample opportunity to demonstrate their piety publicly. But more likely, Jesus is actually using this expression metaphorically, similar to how we would talk today of someone tooting their own horn. And he says to his followers that that they shouldn't take that, that they're giving to the poor and turn it into something else by drawing such attention to it, whatever the riff. You know, in the ancient world, it was the, the king who had trumpets go before him. So to act as if any of us deserves the same sort of attention is in some ways to detract from the one the attention was meant for. Even if as Americans, we've sort of got this rewired into us. Did you know that's where the expression came from? In 1776, in a letter between John Adams and James Warren, as a sort of declaration of independence, One of them wrote, I I think modesty is highly overrated as a virtue. My motto is, toot your own horn, lest the same never be tooted. Or as Frank Sinatra was still singing 200 years later, make like a lamb and wham your shorn. I tell you, chum, you gotta come blow your horn. This is a hardwired, rewired thing in us. And yet it's precisely this type of thing that Jesus says we're to avoid, whether in the synagogues or in the streets, with all the self-seeking desires for praise that goes with it. Why? Because this is what the hypocrites do, which in Jesus' day wasn't some religious term like it is now, but rather just the word for your everyday, ordinary actor who didn't even bother getting into character, but rather would just grab a mask off the shelf and went out onto the stage and could look the part on the surface while being anything behind it. You know, the Academy Awards weren't the first time they started handing out rewards for acting. You know, they used to do that in ancient days too. Same thing for the tragedy or or comedy of the year. Oedipus Rex actually lost in those competitions to another play that is almost unknown to us today. It's not the first time that people started handing out rewards for acting in history, and yet what does Jesus say? That's not what something like giving to the poor is supposed to be about. Play acting. That's not what our benevolence fund is supposed to be about. And we're just putting into writing all of that just so that Ken is not out there doing it the wrong way, right? He actually does that a lot better than me. This isn't what it's supposed to be about, though. 
At least not in my kingdom, Jesus says. It's supposed to be an act of worship before God, a, a reflection of what we're, we've experienced from God. And yet, in the very moment we're supposedly honoring God, we're in fact stealing the honor for ourselves. Truly, I say to you, Jesus says, those who go about it like that, whether they get the Oscar or not, they've received their reward. Because if you, wanna, if you want the praise of men, the praise of women, you can have it. But in the end, that's all you get. And it'll never actually measure up. Even if that's what the hypocrites do. What's the better way though? Well, Jesus says in verse 3, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Such a secret that not only does no one else know what you've done because you haven't posted it on Facebook or hashtagged about yourself on Instagram or TikToked it all over to your friends. But you barely know what you've done yourself. Not because God wants to take the intentionality out of giving or the thoughtfulness out of giving. In some ways, he's calling us to be more thoughtful. The real objective here is to so remove our pride from our giving as to render it as pure as possible, as something meant to please and once more fitting for our Heavenly Father, to reflect a measure of our Heavenly Father. And your Father, Jesus says, who sees in secret will reward you. Remember pastoring in Scotland, the impression it made on me when some financial need would arise in our body or in our community, and, and me and the pastor I was serving under would, would, would go and, and make that known, We'd go through all the, the trouble of making that known, only to be met by blank sort of stares from the congregation. And, and I remember I remember for the first time or two that happened, just being very unsettled as to whether God was going to provide. But each time he did, usually in the form of an unmarked envelope filled with a stack of unmarked bills. And I really didn't understand what was happening until the pastor I was serving with explained that the, the members of the congregation were so worried about having their names attached to, to some gift or other that they'd gone and continued to go to extraordinary lengths just to preserve their anonymity. It's like a little bit of what we do here with boxes in the backs that nobody knows about, right? but taken to a whole nother level. Which is a little different from our, our typical practice here in the States of finding things we can rename after donors. 
but probably better reflects what Jesus is getting at. Because if you're if you find the reward, if you go after the reward here on earth of being recognized for what you've done, your Father is not going to recognize it in heaven. Well, that's what it looks like in relation to giving. What about in relation to praying? Similarly, Jesus starts out by highlighting first what the hypocrites do. Saying in verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, those play actors. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. And you can think even of the the parable that Jesus will later tell in his ministry. Of of the the, the religious leader who who goes and, and finds the busiest street corner he can looks up to earth and raises his hands and and, and the tone of his voice and and, and prays out to God while peeking around to find who he can compare himself with. Thank God I am not like this sinner here who has no right and nothing to stand before you with. Oh, you can... You can just picture it, can't you? Whether in church or outside on the corner drugstore. Wherever again where the most people are and the theatrics will will pay the most dividends. The dramatic pause. The hands outstretched to heaven. The eyes looking up, looking out. And then the lips moving just enough to, to clue you in to what's going on. Maybe at times even letting something audible slip out because you're not getting the clue. So as to inform you of the particularly pious things being prayed for, which probably include your own soul. But this again, this is what The hypocrites do. Those wearing the mask on the outside, but who on the inside look all different. Jesus says again, don't do that to be seen by others. For truly, I say to you, once again, those who do have received their reward. The PR stunt has paid off. But that's all you get in the end. Rather, Jesus says what? When you pray, verse 6, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Not that Jesus is condemning all public prayer. If he was doing that, the early church didn't get the clue. Paul didn't get the clue, right? Peter didn't get the clue. No, but the type that prays to be seen. He says better to go into your room and shut the door. I remember reading through the autobiography of James G. Patton, a Scottish missionary to the New Hebrides in the South Pacific. 
And him talking about growing up in Scotland in an impoverished family as the oldest of 11 children in a two-room cottage with a little alcove in between and describing how his father would, after almost every meal, retreat to that alcove and, and there shut the door to lift up before God the, the members of their family and the work that God had called them to as followers of his son. And this is how Patton later described the impact of his father's prayers on his life. He said, though everything else in religion were by some unthinkable catastrophe to be swept out of my memory, were blotted from my understanding, my soul would wander back to those early scenes and shut itself up once again in that sanctuary closet. And hearing still the echoes of those cries to God, it would hurl back all doubt with the victorious appeal, he walked with God, why cannot I? I think it would have been the same if his dad was out on the street corner praying for the publicity of it. See, for Jesus, better to be praying in secret in a closet than a in public to, to, to have that same prayer functionally fall on deaf ears. That's not all Jesus has to say about prayer. It goes on in verse 7 to say, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The, the Gentiles, as in those who didn't believe in the one true and living God, but who instead worshipped a pantheon of little gods and used their verbose prayers to increase the odds that at least one of those gods would hear them, often naming each individual god and repeating their requests over and over and over again. Why? Because they didn't actually believe anyone was going to listen. Except if they kept on going until the gods got tired of it and did it. But Jesus says in his kingdom, that's just not the way to go about it. Not to discount what Jesus will say elsewhere about the need to be persistent and come to God as any child would, their father. But assuming that God isn't going to listen to you assumes you're not actually his child and that he doesn't actually care. Which more than honoring God ends up insulting God. No, Jesus says don't... Be like the hypocrites and don't be like the Gentiles. Why? Verse 8, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Isn't that such a great comfort? Not that he doesn't want you to ask. He does. 
But that asking in the right way, with all the right words, or the right word order, that's not what moves God to answer. As if the effectiveness of prayer rests more on the one praying rather than on the one being prayed to. Which is really Jesus' point, even in offering the model prayer that's found in verses 9 to 15. That it's a prayer offered not just to some false God or to some unfriendly God, but to God our Father who is in heaven. We're going to spend some time looking at that model prayer next week in some depth, but for now, let's finish up by looking at fasting, this other third of the, the holy trifecta of righteousness in Jesus' day. The discipline of giving up food for a particular period of time to focus one's attention more on one's relationship with God whether with some specific request being made of God or in repentance for some particular sin done against God. These are the typical times at which people would fast. This is a regular part of the, the rhythm back in Jesus' day. But he makes the point once again that this was not to be done as the hypocrites did it in order to be seen by others. Which is what he says in verse 16, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Which means that some of these individuals were not only in the habit of letting themselves go when they fasted, but in fact, went out of their way to make sure their appearance told everyone they were doing it. Even using makeup. That's what this means, to disfigure the face, to, to change the face using the makeup of an actor or an actress to make themselves look even worse than they already did. But that, once again, undid the very thing they were supposedly doing. Because all of a sudden, this act of fasting that had begun out of a deep sense of humility and sometimes even humiliation before God and dependence upon God had become a pretentious display of self-righteousness which wasn't really even anymore about God. Even as the individual went to, to great lengths to exaggerate how worn down and worn out they were for doing it. Do you think God is impressed? Which thing brings this whole play-acting theme to another level, doesn't it? As the hypocrite now isn't only sounding their own trumpets, right? 
or simply playing the part in the, the synagogue or, or on the street corner, but now doing themselves up in such a way that their piety cannot be missed. Actually changing their appearance so that what's supposedly being done on the inside, again, cannot be missed on the out. Makeup is a $170 billion industry today. Is that not bad enough that we then go and employ it against God? That we then go use it even to not just enhance our looks, but supposedly to disfigure our looks, to diminish our looks in order that others would still recognize us nonetheless. But truly, Jesus says, those who do it have received their reward. Yet if you're going to live in His kingdom, rather, when you fast, He says, anoint your head and wash your face. Take a shower for Pete's sake. Put on your deodorant. Brush your teeth. Trim your nose hairs if you have to. Do anything that you can to keep secret what is meant to be done before you, between you and God. Why? That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, Jesus says, will reward you. Whether for your secret giving or secret praying or secret fasting or whatever other secret practice of righteousness you do before Him. Because as Os Guinness has said, we're to live what? Before the audience of one. Which means before others, he says we have nothing to gain, nothing to lose, and nothing to prove. Let me just close by asking you, what audience are you performing for? Is it as a play actor acting for everyone else? Looking for and longing for the reward for your thespian skills? Or is it as one genuinely practicing their righteousness before God and God alone? Who could write with the likes of, of Bach at the end of everything they do, solo Deo Gloria, for the glory of God alone. Because that's really what you're living for. Like Jesus did. Like Jesus did, who, yes, prayed in public, but the, the test for Jesus, and probably is worth applying even to, to us, 
is how much more was he praying in private? How much more is he found praying out in the desolate places? Because that's what life was all about. Yes, at times, praying for the benefit of others. Not to please others, but for their benefit. But how much more praying out in the desolate places? Giving to all and everyone of every slice of his life. Stopping even in the midst of on the way of going to help someone else for whoever happens to rub up against his garment. Giving of himself all the way to the cross. And there demonstrating by his utter devotion to God that he was living before that audience of one. So that we would even have a glimpse of what that looked like for us and be empowered by it to follow in his footsteps. Remember the day Emmett was born and the day I became a, a, a father or at least realized I was a father and the movie that was on TV in the hospital room Rudy. You know, Rudy, the story of the five foot nothing, hundred and nothing walk on who earned a spot on the best college football team in the land. But who did it? Why? So that he could prove to his dad that he had what it took to play on that family's favorite team. Did it really for his, his dad and, and dad alone so that even in the stadium when he finally gets onto the field for the first and only time, who's he looking for? Straight up to try and find his dad. Which for him is one of those natural rewards, but for us is meant to point us to something more. Our living for the pleasure and pleasing of our Father in heaven. No matter what we're doing and when we get on the field and how often we get to play, that the one place we'd be looking to is to our Father in heaven. Practicing our righteousness, not to be seen by others, but as Jesus had done to one day receive the reward of our Father saying, well done, my good and faithful servants. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a tall ask in a society that's driven by rewards. That has been so overwhelmed and overcome by the rewards of others that we barely even think anymore of the rewards that you offer. And yet I pray even today, looking especially to Jesus and, and his trek towards the cross of doing yours and your will alone, 
I pray that we too would have in us grown a desire to live before you as our audience of one. And that doing so, we would find in the end that it was extremely worth it and that you will be extremely pleased with our attempts to do so. I pray this in the name of the one who did it best and did it on our behalf. Amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, please visit our church's website at kishbible.org. That's K-I-S-H-Bible dot O-R-G.